Good day, everybody. You are listening to Jimmy's Table Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I look to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. You can check me out at jimmystable.com, iTunes, Spotify, and other places. If you want to reach me out, uh, reach out to me. You can reach me at jimmy at jimmystable.com, or I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, maybe someday somewhere else. <laughs> so today is episode three. In episode three, we are going to talk about the thing that people love the most and the thing that people hate the most, their in-laws. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, uh, we're actually talking about money. <sighs> I know, we collective sigh of relief right there for everybody. Well, before we get in today's uh, conversation about money, I'd like to revisit my childhood. Uh, when I was about... I don't know, eight or nine years old, my younger brother Adam and I decided we would kind of try to explore our creative minds uh, by uh, our creative sides here by becoming rappers. Well, <laughs> I don't know why we did that, but hey, we were, I was eight or nine years old and my brother's younger brother, he's three years younger than me, so he went with me uh, down this little journey. And we decided we'd write a song. Uh, and the name of our song I, I find kind of interesting um, because I think it tapped into something deep within our soul that, that was by, in there by societal imprint. And we didn't even know it at the time when I sit there and reflect about it. But the, the name of our song was Money. And it was a rap song, mind you. And mind you, we were two very young very white, very suburban uh, kids who lived very sheltered uh, lives, and this was before Eminem, and I think I think Vanilla Ice was popular at the time. So this, I, I just want to give you a taste of of this song and how it went. So uh, you know, embrace yourselves because um, I'm about to to sing it to you, <laughs> and it went like this: <laughs> money. <laughs> Money, money, I gave it to my baby and she spent it on a rock, money. <laughs> are, are you still listening? Because <laughs> uh, I, I hope you are. Um, so that was our song. Uh, and my brother and I, I guess, at an early age of, you know, even prepubescent, uh, timeline when we we're still very young and naive to the rays of the world, we still kind of understood something about the ways of the world. We understood that there was this thing out there called money, and that money was very important. And even at our very young, sheltered, naive, uh, middle class white boy uh, age, we understood money was scarce, and uh, that somehow money was connected to. Well, women, <laughs> uh, you know, just, just being truthful there, just just speaking the truth. Um, you know, we, we saw the economic connection between uh, money and, uh, you know, romantic life at a very young age. And, you know, it's something growing up, uh, I think we've all more or less confirmed uh, in one way or another. But anyway, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, any further. Um, instead, I, I want to, you know, go from this kind of funny sort of 
uh, awkward funny, <laughs> office humor level funny, uh, to, uh, to, you know, maybe more serious tone about money because money is something that we all ultimately spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, it's something we spend a lot of time uh, trying to figure out not only how we can get more of it, uh, but how we can kind of expand what we already have. Um, you know, we'd like a little money, but we'd like a little to become, well, a little bit more. And some of us would really like our money to um, become a lot. But you know, I, I, I've, I've pondered this, this relationship that most of us have um, with money, especially being the sort of armchair theologian that I am, um, and, you know, at the same time being somebody who, you know, is, is kind of a capitalist, I guess you could say, uh, by economic and political disposition, um, and as somebody who lives in a very Western world, as somebody who works at a very big, large bank and has for, um, you know, almost eight years now, you know, as somebody who you know, has grown up to be, you know, from a, you know, relatively modest, uh, you know, younger childhood age to somebody who struggled deeply with money in, in my 20s, which I was, uh, as I like to say, lucky to be broke at the end of the month, um, which meant I was in a lot of money trouble regularly to somebody who now lives, um, thankfully because of uh, my job, a rather comfortable middle class uh, lifestyle. I have a, a nice home. I have nice things. Um, I don't really have a lot of debt. Uh, I live, you know, kind of comfortably. So, you know, I've, I've had time to think, uh, you know, in the wide spectrum of my experience um, with money, uh, a lot of time to kind of reflect on it. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, we're forced to think about uh, every paycheck. Um, you know, tax time is, uh, well, at the time this broadcast will have happened, uh, taxes will have been due. <laughs> so, you know, taxes is something we think a lot about because, well, we don't like people usually taking our money and giving it to the government, at least in the circles I run in, is not our favorite thing to do. You know, I'm struggling with, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm struggling a little bit with today's show. I have... A lot of notes before me, uh, and I have you know scripture verses and thoughts and cultural observations uh, and that sort of thing. And you know I I have a lot of things that I want to say, but they're kind of hard to say because I, I feel like even for as articulate as I am, as intelligent as I am, as studied as I am about these sort of things, that the burden I share about these things is is a lot heavier uh, and. Is something I want to convey more um, than necessarily the dotting of the I's and crossing of the T's and, and the, the thing I want to talk about um, today. You know, I, I had a uh, friend online who sent me um, this interesting quote uh, from a series of uh, a sermon series back in the day, and I mean back in the day, from John Calvin, uh, who was a, if you're not familiar with John Calvin, who was one of the uh, reformers, Protestant reformers in the church. Um, and I, I just want to take a moment right now to read this sermon in brief, um, because I think it conveys something that, to me, is so foreign 
to our way of thinking that I think it's worth reading um, and sharing with you today because you know it's just something you don't hear a lot of um, and, and if you do hear it you generally hear it from those dirty socialist and communists out there uh, you hear it from Bernie Sanders and AOC and you know folks like that but you definitely don't hear it today in uh, the broader evangelical Christian community of which I consider myself a part of um, and I think it's something that you know I think we need to hear more of um, but anyway before I you know get caught up in a rant let me just take a moment and read these these uh, little sermon notes that we have from John Calvin and his sermon on the Eighth Commandment about not stealing um, he starts off saying one who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and one who gives gifts to the rich both come to poverty he says Next is the matter of our not craving to be rich. For as soon as that lust for gain takes hold of us, it is certain that we will become thieves. It cannot be otherwise. Let us consider for a moment who the rich are, insatiable men who can never be satisfied and who are much more difficult to be content than the poor. If we were to make a comparison between the rich and the poor, we would find that just as there are some who are tormented and grieved and who are led to steal and engage in many adverse practices, so the majority are content to accept what God has given them and follow their course. But when we come to the rich, as for kings and princes, we find that they are so inflamed and covetous for the goods of this world that we cannot satisfy. Indeed, they are almost as grieved if the sun shines on the poor. In brief, we see that the majority of the rich would not even be satisfied had God give them, given them the whole earth to possess. For as I have said, they are still jealous that the poor have a common ray of light and they, that they drink water and work and even succeed better than the rich in matters of happiness. And although he draws their sweat and blood, it seems to him that when they eat at his expense that they are wringing him out of his very intestines and bowels. And unfortunately, this parsimony, or have you said the word, parsimony, uh, or rather brutal cruelty on the part of the rich is far too common. And let those who enjoy the vogue for who have the money in their purses be especially careful not to oppress the poor, for they always have their traps set. For this is what the rich do. If they see that a poor man in his going under, they hurry there like the hunters and immediately fall upon him, turning this way and that, and through their weaving have the poor and trapped in the end. And instead of the rich imagining that they have gained anything by their own industry, when they have been enriched at the expenses of others, let us realize that they have cut out the throats of the poor and have made many widows and orphans, even though they don't think so. That's some pretty weighty stuff there, folks. That's John Calvin, Protestant reformer, somebody who is championed uh, even today in, in many circles. Uh, and even if you're not a big John Calvin sort of fan, and I, I can't honestly, even though I have much respect for Calvin, I can't say... I'm a huge fan of his. I, I don't tend to agree with 
a lot of his ways of thinking and his theology about stuff. But I, I find this sermon very fascinating, um, and and the kind of heavy-handedness way in which he, you know, I think he maybe takes a little license here and speaks a little hyperbolically about who the rich are and what they do and the way they stay rich and the way they exploit the poor. Uh, you know, some of it's almost kind of Karl Marx sounding, if if you will. Um, but you know. Uh, I find it interesting because he speaks in a manner about wealth and money that is completely foreign as Christians, especially those of us living in America, are used to hearing about money. In fact, if you were to ask the average preacher, if you were to ask Dave Ramsey, um, you know, what they thought about money and what we should do with it, they would probably say something along the lines of, you know, money is just a neutral tool, and it can be used for good or bad purposes. And, and, you know, we hope that we can get as much as we can on it so that we can ultimately use it for all the good purposes that we want to use for it and enjoy it at the same time. Uh, that kind of, you know, is the, the Western philosophy that we have as Christians in America today, that money is, you know, a neutral thing. But by, when we say that, when we say money is neutral, we actually mean money is good, and I want some of it. Um, and, you know, we have this fascination and obsession for the love of wealth. And I'm just going to call it what it is, because, you know, we say this thing about, you know, being neutral towards money, and that money can be good, and that money can be a blessing. But, you know, at the end of the day, we really need deep down inside is that I love money, and I want some more of it. I'm just throwing this out there for free, folks. This is you know, this is for free. You're not paying me for this. So, you know, do with it what you may. Uh, although, if you want to send me some money, you can do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a weighty thing. And it's, it's something I think we should think about more seriously as Christians. Because I think, for the most part, we have overlooked, um, you know, the tradition in Scripture and the, the an overarching theme that is found in Scripture. Um, that money is not this sort of neutral thing as, as, you know, many, many people would say it is. Um, but far from being a neutral thing, money is inherently dangerous. Money in the Bible is viewed as dangerous as dynamite. And yes, there are good things the Bible extols about, you know, money and, and wealth. But, you know, I don't need to rehash those things because those things so have been so over-preached that... Um, I think if we never heard another sermon about, um, you know, being good stewards of our money and resources and giving towards the kingdom of God and, and you know, working hard to, to earn a living and, you know, doing something besides, you know, not having a work ethic so we're not poor. Uh, you know, I think if we never heard a sermon about that again for the rest of the history of the world, we would be okay. Because <laughs> it's been so over-preached um, that I think... We have really distorted um, the biblical view of money. And I think what John Calvin said in his sermon that I read is much more in keeping with the spirit of the both New and Old Testaments, um, but as explicitly the teachings of Jesus and his apostles uh, on the subject of money. Um, and I would rather, as, as a Christian who is deeply versed in these issues, uh, to hear a lot more about this than I would about any of the shenanigans uh, Dave Ramsey sells uh, on his radio about his radio program and his podcast 
about money and our need to accumulate wealth and have multi-generational wealth and passing it on to the next generation so that we're not wicked. Um, you know, we need a lot less of that and a lot more of what you hear in John Calvin's sermon. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying John Calvin was 100% right in everything he states. I think he might have, like I said, hyperbolically overstated it. But, with that said, I think there is a gumption and emphasis and a weight to what he said that should press more on our souls than anything you're going to hear in your Dave Ramsey, uh, run-of-the-mill, uh, prosperity gospel type hoopla that you get in so many churches in America. Um, you know, and at this time, I would take, like to just, you know, to push the conversation a little further down the road here and, and read just a little more. You know, I, I want these things to sort of speak for themselves, even though I'm going to add some, you know, maybe some colorful commentary here along the way. Um, but, you know, I, I want to speak them because I, I, I really think they need to be said. Um, and if you're still listening out there, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I hope you seriously consider them because I, I myself, I'm a serious-minded individual, um, and I take these things, uh, you know, not lightly whatsoever. As as I wrestle with them myself, I, I think about my own use of money over the years, good and bad, past, present, and future uses of money, and my own relationship uh, with it and its influence on me. Uh, so let me just read some some things here um, that I have uh, prepared. Um, from what Jesus said in the Gospels. I, I, I want this statement to stick out from Jesus first and foremost. Jesus warned that wealth could be a possible sign of God's wrath by giving you all work in which God gives you all your possible eternal comfort and full in the present. Jesus said in Luke 6.24, he said, Woe to you who are rich! For you have received your comfort in full. Woe to you who are rich. That's, that's the sayings of Jesus, folks. And it's not something you hear a lot of. Quote, I, I, I can't say I've ever heard Luke 6.24 preached from in my entire life. And I've been to Bible college. I've been to seminary. And I've been a Christian for almost 20 years. And I've listened to thousands of sermons in my day on the on a wide variety of topics and I don't think I can honestly say I've ever heard this verse preached even though uh, you know it's there in the Bible <laughs> it's there in the Gospels um, Luke 624 again woe to you who are rich for you have received your comfort in full and unless you're just thinking Jesus is just slapping rich people on the wrist and saying just be careful ladies and gentlemen with your your relationship to money, you know, the word woe in the Bible is a very strong word. It's a word of grief and deep personal lamentation that expresses the idea that judgment and wrath are imminent. So if you were to take the woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort in full, you, you might as well be taking the saying and making it to mean this, to hell with those who are rich, for you're receiving your eternal comfort in full right now in the present. Dave Ramsey's never going to read that verse on his program. And if he does, 
he's going to put a big giant asterisk next to it. And he's probably going to try to cancel it out with another Bible verse. I'm just saying. And you know, so are some of you. <laughs> because you want to, you don't want to sit here and wrestle with the weight of this statement. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort and full. Because we like quickly going to our places of comfort and safety and security. We don't want to think that Jesus, of all people, especially the Western Jesus that we love, could possibly have an adverse relationship in view of wealth and prosperity. And especially since we live in a, a, a country in which wealth and prosperity are in great supply, in greater supply than has ever existed in the history of the world, and we think Jesus wants us to have a bigger and bigger and bigger slice of this prosperity that's just abounding, so much so that we have developed gospel systems uh, about how if you give your money, God's going to you know, make you rich. <laughs> God's going to take care of you. Um, we have this, this entrenched mentality. Um, and truth be told, you know, even though there is maybe a hint of biblical truth to that, um, the, the, the greater weight of the scriptures and its conversations about wealth and prosperity have less to do with uh, God's blessings and provisions um, and us enjoying great and awesome things and more so to do with a concern about the worry of our spiritual state uh, because I said a few minutes ago wealth and prosperity in the Bible while they can be in some sense a blessing from God can also be a sign of your eternal destruction and it can be something that puts you in an adverse relationship with the Lord. Elsewhere, Jesus also said, it is easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a sewing needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I often joke when I, I that, when, with that saying of Jesus, oh Jesus, if, if my greatest temptation in the world was being rich uh, instead of all these other things that I'm tempted with and deal with in, in my own private life. Uh, you know, may I have the burden and temptation of wealth. Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a sewing needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And you know, there's some commentaries out there that are wrong, by the way, that try to make that eye of the needle thing something other than it was. Uh, to show that, you know, if a camel, you know, takes a certain position and only is carrying so much things, it can, you know, get through the eye of a needle of a gate in Jerusalem. Now, that, that's a bunch of BS, by the way. Um, that, that is based on bad, uh, bad scholarship that was derived from a footnote, <laughs> if you actually do a, a study of that sort of thing. Uh, and take my word for it, I'm, you know, if, if you want. Uh, I did go to Bible College Seminary and read about these things. Uh, but you can study it out for yourself, uh, so feel free to do that. But Jesus said elsewhere, it is easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a sewing needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven. And elsewhere, Jesus told us about the dangers of hoarding up our wealth in barns. Uh, because he said, you fool, uh, this night you, your soul is required of you. Um, and, and gave us a stern warning about that. The apostles elsewhere also warned about the love of money and its ability to create divisions in the church. Um, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. As one of the apostles said, 
um, and it, it creates social divisions uh, within the church, within society, in which people prefer to hang out with their rich friends versus their poor. That they'll exclude the poor uh, from from things, from opportunities. And it, it's funny, kind of, you know, how many uh, church boards <laughs> are made up of the, the pastor's rich golfing buddies uh, versus, you know, maybe some of just the, the guy who's the janitor. And, uh, you know, they, they prefer to stack those things with CEOs and executives and business types uh, and financiers and, and things like that. Bankers, you know, people like me. <laughs> uh, you know, but... But no, it's very rare. You see, well, today to our elder board, we're electing a, a janitor. Um, you know, to our elder board, he's going to be responsible for helping oversee the things and functions of the life of the church. Uh, so, in it, so that's a sidebar note right there. So, you know, continually we see this message, uh, you know, constantly in Scripture, that wealth is a dangerous thing. Um, Jesus said. Um, that wealth can become an idol. Um, and he said, you cannot have two masters. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Um, you know, there's just these constant beating of the drum, um, warning signs, flashing signs saying, danger, danger, danger. Pull up, pull up, pull up. Uh, you're crashing. You're getting ready to die and burn um, if you don't, you know, change your trajectory here. Um, you, you, you constantly have this throughout the New Testament. Um, and it grieves my heart um, as a Christian that we've allowed uh, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of wealth, the accumulation of material things um, to become so prominent in our lives uh, that we refuse to see the challenge that Jesus made uh, in the gospel to those who are wealthy. Uh, he once told a rich man to go and sell everything he had so that he could enter the kingdom of heaven. No, he didn't tell the rich man that, oh, if you just say a prayer in your heart and believe that I am Jesus and confess you are a sinner in need of a savior, you will have eternal life. No, he, Jesus never said any of that. He, he told the rich man, go and sell everything you have and then follow me and, and you can have eternal life. It's funny how our little cute theologies formulas allow us to escape uh, the weight of uh, things Jesus you know actually said um, we cherry-pick our verses very nicely I think to make ourselves very comfortable because in, in truth we really want everything that Jesus offers us in this world but we also want the world itself um, we want both Jesus and everything and all of creation it's kind of like what Calvin said you know a rich man would not be content uh, if God were to give him the entirety of the world, uh, he would still long for more and more stuff, and he would still long for ways to get it uh, and come up with his devices in which to scheme and do so. Now I'd like to take an opportunity here and read a passage from 1 Timothy 6, verses 8 through 11. Uh, and shortly after this, I'm going to be closing up because uh, I don't want to take too much of your time. I want you to be able to you know, not only enjoy this podcast, but, you know, there's some other good podcasts out there uh, worth listening to. And, and I know our time is precious to us. So anyway, let me kind of start getting down the road to, you know, maybe closing this conversation out. So anyway, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 8 through 11. 
the Apostle Paul says, Godliness actually is means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into this world, and so we cannot take out anything either. If we have food and covering with these things, shall we be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many and foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you men of God, and pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and perseverance and gentleness. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul, ladies and gentlemen. Did you, did you catch that there, he said? He said, he, he didn't just warn us about the dangers associated with wealth, but he said, there are those who want to get rich. And as a result of wanting to get rich, of wanting to accumulate wealth and build up little fortresses and accumulate stuff, they fall into temptation and a snare and are fools and are destroyed by their harmful desires and ultimately suffer destruction. And he says, but instead of pursuing wealth, in verse 9, instead of pursuing wealth, he says in verse 11, but flee from these things. It is not okay to be a Christian and to pursue wealth and try to become wealthy. It is a sin to try to become wealthy. The Apostle Paul said, with food and covering, with these things, if we have the basic stuff of life, with these we'll be content. That's not something you're hearing too much of these days, folks, in our very highly consumeristic Christianity in which we love to have Jesus and we love to have our mammon. We love to, to have all the spiritual stuff, but we also love to have all the earthly stuff, too. Paul says, don't pursue it. Instead of pursuing uh, wealth, instead of trying to get rich, instead of trying to make all the money you possibly can in this life and to have the, the biggest house and the best wife and the newest car and the greatest and latest of gadgets and things, he says, you know, don't pursue those things, but flee from those things and instead pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Our aim as Christian as Christians should be to have what we need to take care of the basic necessities of life, to provide for our family, to save for future needs. And, you know, along the way, there are some verses in the Bible that talk about enjoying some simple creature comforts as a way of enjoying the fruits of our labor. But we should never, ever, ever, ever try to become rich, and we should reject wholesale those who try to encourage us in the name of Jesus to accumulate and pursue wealth. Instead, we as Christians should strive to live our lives in simplicity, in modesty, and in frugality. We should never pursue wealth or crass materialism. We just shouldn't. Those things are completely foreign to the, the ethos of of the New Testament. 
in which our Lord didn't even have a place to lay his head. So those those are some those are some thoughts to wrestle with. And you know, I'm not trying to beat anybody down here. I'm not trying to pick at anybody. I'm not trying to pick at Dave Ramsey. I'm not trying to pick at your prosperity gospel preachers. Um, I'm I'm dealing with it myself. I'm wrestling with myself because I sit here, you know, recording my podcast. I I have a very nice suburban home, and you know, pretty nice area of of Charlotte, North Carolina, um, and. You know, I, I, I struggle, folks. I struggle. I struggle as somebody who would consider themselves a capitalist, as somebody who works at a bank, uh, as somebody who carves out a, a comfortable living. Um, but I also struggle it as someone who's been on the lower side of that equation. I struggle with it as somebody who's been lucky to have been broke at the end of the month, um, as somebody who couldn't always pay their bills um, as somebody who wondered where the next meal uh, was going to come from or how I was going to afford new shoes or how I was going to afford a decent car or how I was going to, you know, so I know the struggle. Um, and I've lived in prosperity and I've lived in um, poverty as well. And I sit there and I think about uh, the words of the Lord to me uh, and I sit there and think, you know, Am I pursuing the right things in my life? Am I being careful with with my money? Am I seeing myself as more than just a steward of God's resources who God has placed here not to enjoy the latest and greatest Nike Air Jordan shoes uh, or the, the latest and greatest iPad or the latest and greatest car or in fashion design? Um, am I staying away from those things? Am I trying to live my best life now, <laughs> so to say? Or am I truly pursuing the things that God would have me to pursue? Um, am I pursuing wealth? Am I pursuing the love of money? Or am I fleeing from the love of money? Am I fleeing from wealth? Am I instead pursuing that righteousness, that godliness, that faith, that love, that perseverance, that gentleness, that contentment that the Apostle Paul spoke of? Or is my heart deceived and am I getting carried away by other things, things that are ultimately fickle in nature and destined to perish, things that I can't take with me, and things that, if I'm not careful, may so hold my heart down and captive that I cannot serve the Lord and that I should perish for all of eternity? I think we need to think about those things. And I'm not going to claim to have all the answers, and I can't claim that I can wrap this all up in a neat and pretty bow and, and make it all, you know, something that would be a great uh, message that I could bang on from a pulpit somewhere. This is just a conversation. Just sharing my heart, because I think what I'm trying to convey in my heart is greater than the words I can articulate. Um, and I, I hope you're, you, you listen to this podcast and, and you come away with, with that yourselves. Um, because it's good to struggle about these things. It's something I think we desperately need a renovation of our hearts in regard to. Because I think as Christians living in America, we have gone too far. And I think you can even see that in, uh, you know, it's on Instagram for those of you who are on Instagram. The, the recent account that has made some headline, the, the Preachers and Sneakers account on Instagram, which it shows some of the 
biggest and wealthiest and most popular preachers like Stephen Furtick and Joel Osteen and T.D. Jakes and, and all these other guys who, you know, wear some pretty high-end sneakers and clothes and, you know, they flash their signs of wealth constantly. Uh, and, and, you know, they show individuals wearing sneakers that are worth like 500 or 1000 or even sometimes $5,000 who uh, wear clothes and shirts that are hundreds of dollars and, and you know it's it's kind of become a mockery uh, to some um, on the internet and you know it's something I think that should ultimately disturb us because unfortunately we see those things and I think we see those things but we're unable to articulate as to why those things are off the mark why um, Joel Osteen, Stephen Furtick, T.D. Jakes, and all these guys, why they have missed the mark and what they get up on stage and demonstrate uh, every time they go to share the gospel because they're always, you know, dressed to the nines uh, and not wearing the same clothes that they wore last week. And, you know, they have their personal shoppers who, you know, go get them these latest and greatest, you know, clothing things. Like, we, we see that stuff and we support these men because secretly, deep down in our hearts, we want what they have. And what they have is not Jesus. They have, though, nice, good, fancy stuff. And we want that, too, because we want it more than we want Jesus, uh, if you know, we're being honest with ourselves at the end of the day. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and pull the plug on this show for the rest of the day. Uh, I just hope I've given you something to think about. Um, and if I have, you know, give me some feedback on Facebook. Give me some feedback on Twitter. Uh, email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. Uh, visit the, the website, jimmystable.com. Um, leave some reviews on iTunes, Spotify, uh, and wherever this podcast may be broadcast. And I, and I hope, you know, this, this show has, has been a blessing to you and, and has given you some true food for thought. And I hope I've given you a perspective that, Maybe until today, you've not had. Um, and if so, I've accomplished my task because uh, my, my task was uh, maybe originally to put something very nice and neat and pretty together, but I've just decided, you know, that wasn't possible. We needed something more of a burden, um, something with a little bit more weight on it, and uh, something to wrestle and struggle with. So anybody, anyway, anybody, uh, this is Jimmy. Humphrey, jimmystable.com, and this was episode three. Uh, share it with a friend. Um, share, share it with your pastor, <laughs> uh, if, you, if you will. Um, so anyway, take care, everybody. I hope you uh, tune in next episode, and uh, where I try to, you know, I try to publish these things every Tuesday whenever possible. Um, so uh, enjoy, and look forward to uh, you subscribing to this show. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.